Amen. Thank you, Jeff, so much. And Lindsay, thank you, brother. I love to see you when you lead our worship. And what a great time of worship it has been this morning. And as has already been said to you, Happy New Year. Uh, on this first Sunday of 2020, as I prayed and thought about what our focus ought to be this morning, I thought maybe it would be a good idea if we talked about the future a little bit. And I want to talk about the future because if God sees fit to grant to us another year of life, then the future is something that every one of us is going to have to face. <clears throat> and to make certain we get a clear word about the future, I want to invite you this morning to take your copy of God's Word and open it to James, the fourth chapter. James chapter 4. And I want us to do something this morning that, that we don't always do together, but uh, I want us to do it this morning. We're going to put these Scripture verses up on the screen. They're also in your message guide. It might be easier for you to follow along there, but but we're going to put them up on the screen as well. And I want us to read together from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And I'm going to invite you to join me in standing, if you would, uh, just out of reverence for the reading of God's Word together. And just together in unison, no responsive type reading, but just together, let's, let's read our text for the morning, all right? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Heavenly Father, we have heard and we have read together your word. We pray now that your Holy Spirit will take this word that we have heard and read and Lord will cause it to come alive in our hearts that it might mold our wills, shape our character, and direct our future is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I've read these verses this week and, and meditated over them, I want to try to give you, just sort of in an encapsulated form this morning, what I believe the central truth is that James is wanting to make known to us in these verses that we have read together this morning. And so in your message guide, you'll find that listed if you want to fill in the blanks. Here's the central truth as I've sort of taken it and brought it into our world on this first Sunday of a brand new year. As I look ahead into 2020, James is telling me that I should never make 
any plans independently of God. I should never make any plans independently of God. I should never plan any phase of my life, any area of my life, independently of God. Now, this is particularly appropriate for us to come to grips with on this first Sunday in 2020, because most of us are, are going to be making all kinds of plans this coming year. We're going to plan things that we're going to do. We're going to plan places that we're going to go. We're going to plan where and how we're going to spend our time and our money, what kind of relationships we're going to form. Some of us might be making decisions and plans about a job, others of us about where we're going to live, all kinds of things. The fact is, you're making plans and I'm making plans and we will be making plans about our future that will have all kinds of goals uh, that we'll be setting, all kinds of decisions we'll be making. And so James is saying to us in these verses that we have read, don't make any plans independently of God. Now, that's because there's a critical fact here that we also need to understand. Not just a central truth, but a critical fact. And here's the critical fact. God does not want to be left out of anything. Did you know that? God does not want to be left out of anything in your life. He wants to be included in everything, not just in the things that we do, but also in the things we are planning to do. So James is going to talk to us this morning, you and me, and he's going to tell us how we can plan our future when we really can't plan our future. So I want you to look at some things with me this morning, and the first thing that James gives us is a warning against presumptuous planning. A warning against presumptuous planning. Now, we read these verses a moment ago. Let's look at verse 13 again. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Okay, here is a plan. This is a plan. Somebody is saying, I'm going to go here. I'm going to spend this much time there. I'm going to conduct a certain business. I'm going to make a certain amount of money. James looks at that plan and he says, you know what? That is a presumptuous plan. Do you know what it means to be presumptuous? You heard that word before? That, that, is, that, is, that is presumptuous. Let me, let me give you a definition of presumptuous. It means to be excessively confident. It means to recklessly assume that something is going to happen when I have absolutely no guarantee that it's going to happen at all. So James looks at this plan and he says that is a presumptuous plan. Now, why is it a 
presumptuous plan? Why is it excessively confident? Why is it reckless in some sense? Because it assumes things when there is no guarantee that they're going to take place. All right, let's look at this together. A couple of things here. James tells us, number one, that presumptuous planning, planning that that is excessively confident, recklessly confident, presumptuous planning is planning that, number one, does not take into account the centrality of God. Does not take into account the centrality of God in everything. Remember, I said God wants to be included in everything in your life. He does not want to be left out of anything in your life. Now, you need to remember, James James is writing here specifically to Christians. He is writing to believers. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to Christians. And he looks at this plan And he says, you know, this sounds like a good plan, but I've got a problem here. The problem is that I have not heard anything to indicate that God had anything to do with this plan. You did all this talking about what you were going to do, and I didn't hear God's name come up once, and your plan included 12 months. Now, Look, look, at, look at this verse. I've got some things underlined for you there. Look how often the, 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 the person who's saying this says, we will, we will go to this city. We will spend a year there. We will carry on business. We will make money. How many times do you hear God's name mentioned there? Not a single time. God has been left completely out of the plan. James says you've planned for more than a year. You've talked about 12 months and you have never not once raised the issue. What about the plans and the purposes of God? Listen, if you're a Christian this morning, what is supposed to be the most important thing in your life? Thank you very much. That's the right answer. I believe it's supposed to be God. And James is saying here, if God is the most important thing in your life, why wasn't he brought into your plans? You see, part of your commitment and my commitment to Jesus Christ is to do his will, not my will, not your will, but his will. So when you get around to making plans, there ought to be some concern as to whether or not your plans and God's will are in harmony. And please understand this truth. Okay, Fill in the blanks here. This is a truth you need to understand. God has a plan for every part of my life. Not just for what I think of sometimes as my spiritual life. You see, here's where a lot of us make a big mistake. When we talk about God's will, a lot of times we, we tend to think about the church stuff or the Sunday stuff, the Bible stuff, the spiritual stuff. But you need to understand something this morning. If you're a Christian, 
Everything you do is spiritual stuff. Do you understand that? Every single thing you do should reflect your commitment to Jesus Christ and your submission and your surrender to the will of God in every single area of your life. You can see that here again in verse 13. This plan, we'll go to this or that city. Well, that's travel. We'll spend a year there. That's time. We'll carry on this business. Well, that's career. We'll make money. That, that's economics. You see, James isn't talking about the will of God in some kind of vague, overly spiritual sense. He's talking about God's will as it relates to the nitty-gritty issues of real life in this world. God has a will. God has a plan for every part of your life, whether it's economics, travel, career, marriage, it doesn't matter. God wants his will carried out in your life in every category in which you live. God, God doesn't want to be stuck in some cubbyhole of life you call church. That's just one part of your life. And that's why for some of us, listen now, for some of us, the only time we really sense the presence of God is when we're in church because that's the only roof in our, room in our lives we let him come into. He can't come into our travel room. He can't come into our business room. He can't come into our economic room. He can't come into our career room. We don't let him into our relationship room. So we never sense his power in those areas. We, we never experience his presence. We never sense his guidance and his direction in those rooms because those rooms are locked. And on the outside, we have placed a sign that says, you know, I can handle this room by myself. And we get into all kinds of trouble and all kinds of difficulties. And we find ourselves in all kinds of messes because we have not understood that God has a plan for every part of our lives if we are followers of Jesus Christ. Some of us get a good feeling when we come to church because we can say we've been with God. But let me tell you something, my friend. If that is the only time you find yourself in the presence of God, you have missed it. You have missed it totally because God wants to be part of everything, every area of your life. So, presumptuous planning, number one, is planning that does not take into account the centrality of God. But there's a second reason why our planning is often presumptuous. James says presumptuous planning not only does not take into account the centrality of God, number one, but number two, presumptuous planning does not take into account the uncertainties of life. Can I let you in on a secret this morning? You ready? It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. 
between you and me, okay? Life is uncertain. Did you know that? Now, that really ought not to be a secret, but it seems like it's a secret because we are so prone to live as if we know exactly what's going to happen in life. But the truth is, life is uncertain. Everywhere we look. And James points out a couple of things here that we ought to understand. Number one, James says, my plans are uncertain. Verse 14, the first part of James chapter 4. James says, you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow. And then he asks a question according to the Amplified Version. What is secure in your life? And the answer is nothing. See, here's why James is saying you should never make your plans independently of God. James is not saying you can't plan. He's saying you should never plan independently of God. And the reason why is because God knows something you don't know. And he knows something I don't know. And that's tomorrow. Not a single one of us here this morning, not a single one of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow, do we? We have no clue what may happen tomorrow. And that is why planning God out of tomorrow is so incredibly dangerous. Do, do you recognize how quickly your planning for tomorrow can be undone? Think about it. Most of your plans and most of my plans depend very little on you or me. They may depend somewhat on me. But they also depend upon a lot of other things. Circumstances working out right. Timing. The right contacts. Money. And we could go on and on. I mean, your plans and my plans depend upon all these other things. And if all these other things don't work out, then guess what? Neither does your plan. God, he doesn't have that problem. When God plans to do something, he just does it. He's not dependent on anyone or anything else. I want you to think back with me for a minute to Genesis chapter 1, creation. That was a pretty big plan, don't you think? When God decided to create the universe, I would say that's a pretty big plan. But what did God do? All God did was speak the words, let there be light, <laughs> and there was light. Let there be oceans and dry land. Let there be birds of the air and beasts of the field and grass of the, the, the field and trees and flowers and, and, and the moon and the stars. And it happened. No consultation. No advice from anybody else. No waiting on somebody else to do something. No depending on something else to work out. God doesn't have those kinds of limitations, and that's why you ought to want his plan over your plan. Your plan can be cut off like that. 
God's got his plan covered. What God determines will happen, will happen. So, presumptuous planning doesn't take into account the uncertainties of life because, number one, it doesn't take into account the fact that my plans are uncertain. But there's a second thing James says here that that really ought to hit us this morning, sober us up as we think about the future and our planning. Not only are my plans uncertain, but James goes on to tell us that my very life is uncertain. See that in the last part of verse 14. You are merely a vapor, like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. (laughs) James looks at your life and my life and his life and he says, you know what we are ultimately? We're just a mist. We are just a vapor. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that doesn't sound like much of a compliment. I want to hit you something, uh, with something this morning. Do you know how much you're worth on the open market? I, I'm talking about the organic part of you. Uh, the, the organic part of you that, that goes back into the ground and turns to dust after you die. With inflation... I think you're worth about $2.89. You're about $3 strong. Folks, listen to me. None of us are as big or as important as we think we are. We're just a mist. James says we just appear for a little while and then we vanish into thin air. Here today, gone tomorrow. Church, life is short. Life is short. Even at its longest, life is short. It goes by in a hurry. In fact, I didn't put this verse in your your message guide because I didn't want to totally depress you, but you ought to write it down. Did you know that according to Psalm 90, Verse 10, if you're 35 years old, on average, you're halfway done. A lot of us here today are a lot older than we think we are. Right? What's the point? The point is this. It's this great truth that you need to grasp this morning. By myself, by myself, by myself, I don't have a lot of significance. And what significance I do have doesn't have a lot of time. So I need to get connected to God's plan so that He can give my life some real significance. If I hook up with God's plan, then he can give my life significance. Then the things that I have, however much or little, time, resource, energy, those things can then be used to their maximum potential. 
That's why you can't plan or you shouldn't plan independently of God. And that's why James warns us against this danger of presumptuous planning. Whether it's tomorrow or next year or 10 years down the road, God wants to be, needs to be, deserves to be involved in the process. Warning against presumptuous planning, planning that leaves God out. So that, that brings me to the second thing that James says this morning. And that is he has a word to say to us about the wisdom of providential planning. There is a warning against presumptuous planning, leaving God out, doesn't take into account the centrality of God, doesn't take into account the uncertainties of life. He warns against that, but he gives us some wisdom and helps us see the wisdom of providential planning. Look at verses 15 and 16 of James chapter 4. Instead, instead of saying, this is what I'm going to do when, when I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and my life is just a vapor, instead of that, James says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Now, so what is providential planning? Providential planning is planning that takes into account the providence of God. It is planning that includes God from the very beginning. And that's what James is saying here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. Let, let me tell you something this morning. If it's, not, if it's not God's plan for you to even live, then your plans don't mean much, do they? I mean, if, if you're not... If you're not going to be here tomorrow or a year from now or 10 years from now, what does it matter what you plan? That fact alone ought to make us responsive to God's plan. So after we settle the life issue, God, if it's, if it's even your will that I live, number one, but number two, if it's your will that I live, then... I can say, if it's your will, God, then, then I'll do this or that. Let me tell you, it's okay to plan to do this or that. James is not against planning. It is foolish not to plan, okay? Have a plan. Put it on paper. But in front of your plan, there needs to be a proviso that says, Lord, if what I have written here on my paper is not in agreement with what you have written on your paper, then I am willing to trade my paper for your paper because I believe that what you have on your paper will always be far better than what I can write on my paper. Do you believe that? I, I want to say something to you this morning, whether, whether you're a young person here this morning, a student, or whether you're a median adult or a 
senior adult, whatever your age may be this morning, God's plan for you will always be better than your plan for you. And let me tell you why. Why is God's plan better than than my plan? Okay, I'm going to use three big words here, okay, just because I want to. Besides, these are words we ought to know and be familiar with. You may have heard them before, but not sure that we always understand them. We just throw them around in church sometimes, but I'm going to use them this morning. Why is God's plan better than my plan? Number one, God is omniscient. Do you know what that means? It means he knows everything. You don't know much. Can I tell you that? You don't know much. Neither do I. The best that we can do is just hope. But God already knows what the future holds for you, and he knows what the future holds for me. So his plan is going to be better than my plan because he's omniscient. He knows everything. Number two, God's plan is better than my plan because God is omnipresent. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. Now, we think usually that means, okay, I'm here and, you know, God's here as I'm worshiping and God's also in China as the Chinese believers are worshiping. Well, that's true, but that's not a full understanding of, of, of what it means to be omnipresent. See, God is not just present here with us today and just happens to know the future. Listen to me. God's been to the future. So he knows what the future holds, and he knows that his plan, whatever that is, has already been taken care of in every detail. He can be everywhere at the same time, and that includes the future. He knows the future, and he's got his plan covered for the future. And then the third reason why God's plan is better than my plan is because God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. Nothing's too hard for God. Whatever he needs to happen, he'll make happen. Now, This is why God's plan is better than my plan. God knows everything. (laughs) He can be everywhere. And he can do anything. So his plan is always going to be better than my plan. Now, I want to share with you quickly also what the Bible says about God's plan for your future and my future. This is important too. And this comes right out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You see the verse written there for you. First part says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So you need to to change the way you think. You need to let God change the way you think this morning so you're not thinking about your plans, but instead you're thinking about his plans. When that happens, look at this, last part. Then you will know what God wants you to do. You'll know what his plans are for every part of your life. And you'll know how good and how pleasing and perfect God's will, God's plan really is. Let me tell you three things about God's plan for you. It comes right out of these verses. Number one, God's plan is good. That means it's the best thing that can ever happen to you. 
God's plan for you is the best thing that can ever happen for you. Number two, Paul says, God's plan is pleasing or acceptable. That means when it works out, my friend, you're going to like it. It's pleasing. Not just to him, but to you. I don't know where we get these misguided ideas from, but sometimes we think that God's plan is going to make us miserable. God's plan is going to ruin our lives and our plans. Paul says God's plan is pleasing. When it happens, you're going to like it. And then number three, God's plan is perfect. Let me tell you what that means. It means no one and no thing can stop it. It means nobody else can marry the person God has for you to marry. It means nobody else can get the job God has set aside for you. It means no circumstance can undermine his plan for your life. Do you see why God's plan is better than your plan? This is why we need to be flexible in God's hands so that he can move us according to, according to his plans because you don't know about your plans and I don't know about my plans. But God's got his plan covered. Your plan can fall apart completely. God's plan never will. God will accomplish what he determines to accomplish. So let me close this morning with a final word about personal planning. Verse 17, Therefore, in light of all that we've just seen, therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. What in the world does that have to do with planning? Okay, just this. Here's the deal. Maybe, Maybe before today, maybe before this morning, what time did we start this message? Around 9.30 or something like that? Maybe before 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, January the 5th, 2020, maybe prior to this message, maybe you could honestly say, you know, I didn't know how important it really was to make God part of my planning for the future. I, I didn't realize that. Maybe you could honestly say, you know, before I read this and heard this, I didn't understand that God has a plan for every part of my life and he expects to be involved in every part of my life. I didn't know that. Okay. Now you do. Right? And once you know, you are accountable. And once you are accountable but do not obey, you are guilty of sin. Once you know the right thing to do and you determine that you will not do it, you sin. And I'm going to let you in on a big truth right here. God will never bless sin. He will never bless sin. And I can promise you I've had too many painful conversations with believers who are frustrated, defeated. 
They feel blocked at every turn. Nothing seems to be working out for them. They never seem to run into the right things. And many, many times, not every time, but many, many times, the reason for that is because they've been trying to work out a plan that wasn't God's plan. And I need to tell you this morning that if where you are isn't where God wants you to be, and if what you're doing isn't what God wants you to be doing, and you've never stopped to even ask the question, Lord, is this your will? God, is this your plan? That's where you're going to find yourself. Frustrated, defeated, nothing working out right. It may be this morning that God wants to work out his plan for your life, but he can't because you're too busy trying to work out your plan for your life in some area. So, here's what we need to do. On this first Sunday of a brand new year, this first day of the rest of our lives, would you come to God this morning and say, Lord, I believe your will is more important than my will. And I believe that your plan is better than my plan. So today, I submit my will to your will and my plan to your plan. That's what, that's what God's looking for. That is the key to unlocking the door, to discovering and experiencing everything that God longs for you to experience and discover today and tomorrow and every day that He blesses us with life. Would you do that this morning? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is so very clear. Help us to understand this morning that <laughs> you desire and deserve to be included in everything. You don't want to be left out of anything any part of our lives because you have a plan for every part. Travel, economics, relationships, career, marriage, all of it. You don't want to be left out of any of that. So Lord, keep us from presumptuously, recklessly planning in a way that doesn't take into account your centrality, that doesn't take into account the uncertainty of our own lives. But Lord, may we plan you into everything because your plan's so much better than our plan. Our plans can fall apart. Yours never will. So I don't know anything more critical that could take place in this place this morning than for this group of people assembled here to simply say, God, we submit now 
and in the future. Our will to your will. Our plan to your plan. So that you can give our lives real significance. So that we can experience everything you have for us here and in the future. Thank you, Father, for meeting us in this place. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for giving us your word. We trust you. It's the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you to join me in standing. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to sing this morning, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. You're the potter, I'm the clay. It's just another way of saying, God, here's my plan. <laughs> I want your plan. You, you take your hands and you mold me according to what you want to do in me, with me, and through me this next year. If you don't know the Lord Jesus this morning as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't have a living relationship with Him, I'd love to take a few moments to explain to you how you could begin to walk with Christ in a personal, life-changing relationship. He wants that with you this morning more than anything else. If you need a church home and a church family and God's leading you to this place, we would welcome you if you want to link hands and hearts here to make a difference, to go out and serve Him in this community, our nation, and among the nations. Or maybe you just need to come at the point of the message. The altar's open. I'll be glad to pray with you. We're going to sing. You come, would you? As God speaks, as Lindsay leads us this morning.